Walker here and welcome to today's edition of the Transition Guide. Joining me is Chip Connolly, author of Peak and Wisdom at Work. Thank you for joining Thank us. Thank you. Good to be here, Peter. Really what I want to talk to you today is about your latest book, Wisdom at Work, because that, for me that was interestingly controversial. <laughs> I like being interesting con interestingly controversial. And what I loved about it was the... I love what you said earlier, actually, about the fact that when you sold your business, you were coming to your midpoint in your life. Yeah. And you wasn't sure. And today, in today's society, there is a huge amount of what I would call ageism going on, where we've got, literally, we've got three generations working within business. Everyone is beating on the millennials, absolutely, because no one has had to quite communicate with them. And what's happening, as a result, there seems to be a trail of thought going out there that says, okay, do you know what? If you're above 45, you need to step aside and just leave the millennials to it. Which means that your life's written off at 45. I mean, how can that be? Well, as I learned at Airbnb, I've spent the last seven years with the three founders helping them uh, grow the company. Four years as a full-time major leader in the company and then three years as an advisor. What's interesting about these young tech companies and the fast-growing uh, disruptors is... They have brilliant ideas and often brilliant technology, um, mm -hmm. but we expect these young digital leaders to somehow miraculously embody the relationship wisdoms that we older workers have had decades to learn. And so there's an opportunity to create a symbiotic relationship. So it's reciprocity. I, I learned DQ, I learned digital intelligence from Brian Chesky, the CEO of uh, Airbnb, as his mentor. Um, I'm learning from my mentee. Now, that's not the way we used to think. No. We used to think that, uh, you know, all of the w wisdom is held by older people and it, you know, cascades down to the younger people. Well, I think wisdom now moves in both directions, from young to old and old to young, and it depends on the subject. And so I think that's the key. Is I don't know. I don't think it's about 45-year-olds getting out of the way. Um, I do think it's about 45-year-olds getting out of their own way mm. in the sense of thinking they know it all and not being willing and open to learning something new. I joined Airbnb at 52. I could have failed spectacularly because I had no tech background. And I'd had a successful career as a CEO of a company, a boutique hotel company I'd started. It was scary. I would say that's one of the things you got to get used to is later in life, you don't start coasting. You don't just focus on comfort. And how do you see that being played out, especially if we talk about sort of generational gaps? Because you know what it's like when you're sort of late 40s, 50s and 60s, we are literally a byproduct of industrial age tech, the industrial age, and more importantly, the industrial age thinking. How do you see, and I think this is a mindset thing that's the biggest challenge right now, is to say, with the older generations, they believe that they earned the right. Yeah, yeah. And that well, is a huge problem. It is a, it's a pro it is a problem. There's an element. It's almost like a, I was in a fraternity in college. And you had to go through hazing. You get paddled and all these things happen. And, and so you end up, when you're, then you're in a, you're what, you went from being a pledge to an active member. As an active member, you sort of feel like, okay, you know what? I had to go through this, so you do too. And one of the challenges is the, with that thinking is it's all premised on the idea, I've paid my dues. And then I get to have all the good stuff now. And that model is no longer with us. So the idea of you, know, you, you, you go and do the thing you had to do 
and then you've earned the right to just sort of sit in your corner office and legislate who's going to do what. And, you know, that doesn't exist anymore. And part of the reason I think that there's a lot of resentment toward millennials from older people is two parts. One's resentment, and it's this, the resentment due to that. And then there's, without people even knowing it, maybe even a little envy. And the yeah. envy is this. Envy is that I grew up with, when I was a kid, TV was my dominant technology. But I don't know about you, it didn't have much of an effect on my career. No. Um, but the millennials, their dominant uh, technology was the technology of a computer. And for the youngest ones, you know, the internet. And, and, and even the younger, the Gen Z now, it's the social media. They understand it. They're digitally fluent about it. And um, so I think it's not just the resentment that um, the pecking order has moved away, but I think it's also the envy of, like, these young people have a fluency that I wish I had. And yeah, I think that's a really good point, because a lot of people are struggling to keep up with the technological change. And that's, I think that's half the problem, that the language is different. Yeah, the thing that we, as I said in this presentation I just did, you do not have to become a coder, a, a software coder, an engineer at age 56. You don't have to actually, you have to be fluent. It's like, it's like going to another country. I mean, you live in Europe, so you, 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 there's all these languages. Going to France and understanding a few words will get you, get you by as a traveler there more than if you just try to speak in English. Yeah. Similarly, being able to un be fluent about not just how to use a, the, a, a, a technological tool, tool or a gadget, but understand the strategic thinking behind a product, which is the software product. I'm fluent now, moderately fluent. I was not seven years ago before I joined Airbnb. It didn't have any background at all. But you were willing to learn. I was willing to learn, and that's the key. But the thing that you need to double down on as an older person is you've built your emotional intelligence. And that's what is most important in these companies. And the companies that have flamed out like WeWork and Uber and Theranos, they did predominantly because they had a young founder who actually had too much power um, and didn't have a whole lot of emotional intelligence. And that is one of the big challenges of that particular generation. Yeah. So how do you help entrepreneurs? Because, I mean, you speak all over the place. Mm -hmm. How do you help bridge this gap? By giving speeches, mm -hmm. <laughs> by writing books, by creating a modern elder academy where we bring people uh, of all ages, but it's the average age is 52, so it's a lot of people who are um, boomers and Gen Xers who are sort of trying to imagine how to repurpose themselves in their life. And could you just... Let the audience know what that academy looks like. Sure. So the Modern Elder Academy is a, a campus uh, in Mexico, uh, an hour north of a place called Cabo San Lucas, which is a very popular resort destination in Baja, California. Um, it is a, a program that is seven days long, 18 people in a program. The whole premise is how do we help you to um, reimagine uh, yourself in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond uh, as somebody who has some purpose and some, some value to offer. Uh, and most importantly, we help you to shift your thinking on aging. Um, and that's a really big one because the societal narrative on aging is pretty devastatingly bad. But the personal narrative on aging is interesting. The, there's a U-curve of happiness that's become very popularly and well-known. And people actually bottom, up, bottom out on their happiness around age 45 or 50, and that they actually get better after that. People in their 50s are generally happier than 40s, 60s happier than 50s, 60s, 70s happier than 60s, except for men. 
men in their later 70s start to become unhappy because they're in the last few years of their life. And this is true in, in, in the UK, not just in the US, it's true of frankly every country in the world. So what we need to help people to do is to realize that actually don't dread your midlife and beyond. Actually, be excited for it. Um, you, you know, are you from Indian culture or from where? From mixed. Mixed. Uh, so. so it's interesting. In some cultures, yes, there's an elder uh, respect. And there's an element of like, you move from childhood to adulthood, and you're excited about that. And you might move from adulthood to elderhood and be excited. But in most cultures in the world today, the move from childhood to adulthood is still exciting. The one from adulthood <laughs> to elderhood is not something you're looking forward to. And I'm trying to help change that. And I think you did a really good job. And what was really interesting with your statistics, because most people, when they go out for recruitment, they're looking at either recruiting younger millennials, they've got the life ahead of them, now the Gen Z that's coming through. But the reality is, it was quite a stark statistic, the greatest growth in the workforce is... Is people 60 and older. I mean, well... Which is shocking. It's partly because of the demographics. There's a huge population who are 60 and older right now because the boomers have moved into that age. Mm. And they are not going to retire as early. And many of them, by choice or necessity, will, will work longer. And so how many companies out there do a recruiting strategy focus, focus on that person? That person who's 62 or 66 who's going to work for, for your company, are they going out and floating their resume trying to find another job? No. no. The millennial, on the other hand, might, or the Gen Z, might because that's how they feel like they need to build their career. So from a retention perspective, the money spent in recruiting someone who's 62 who might last eight years in your company is maybe better served. Now, you know, some people say, well, yeah, but the millennials a lot less expensive. Maybe, that may be true, but a lot of people go back into the workforce and they actually say, I want to work three days a week. Could I actually take a 60% salary rather than a 100% salary? Yeah. So there's a, lot of, there, you know, there's a lot of logic in it. And I like what, but the important thing is, in all, we need to have a mindset shift, that's definitely, but we also need to have a health set shift we as well. We have a health set shift in many ways, and sometimes it's like we have to like, change our health, but the thing we have to recognize is that, generally speaking, people who live, longevity has been going up. It's actually, in the U.S., it's actually sort of, it's sort of stabilized, partly because of opioid use and, and uh, a big spike in, in suicide rate. Um, but the thing that's interesting is if you've gotten to age 50, um, your likelihood is you're going to live three to four years past what your current longevity is for the country. So if the longevity average in the U.S. is 80 or 81 maybe, I think it's 81 now, um, that means you're going to live till probably 84 or 85. And so when you start doing the math, um, how old are you? I'm 48. So you're 48. Let's do the math on this. So let's say you're going to live till 85. I think you're going to live a lot longer than that, but let's say 85. Or, or, or what do you think you're going to live till? Well, I'm hoping at least 85. Okay, let's say 85. So you, how, what percentage of your adult life is still ahead of you? At, at age, you, if we... You, if Almost we, 50%. If, well, more than that. More than 50%. Because if you start counting at age, how much of your adult life? If you start counting at yes. age 18, you're only 30 years into your adulthood. And if you actually live to age um, 85, you have 37 years left in your adulthood. That means you, you're, you're only in the second quarter of a four-quarter ball game. Yeah, and that is a massive, that's, a, that's massively important. And what I like is what Vern used to say, how you live your 30s and 40s would determine your 50s and 60s. And actually, what kind of 80-year-old do you want to be? Yeah. And I know I do not want to be an 80-year-old like my forefathers were. <laughs> well, I don't mean in a bad way, but you know what it's like. I do, I do. Yeah. Everyone had that mindset, okay, yeah. I'm going to retire now. Yeah, and, and then you sort of give up. 
So the word retirement actually means to actually retreat. <clears throat> and it's a, it actually has sort of a negative connotation on yeah. some level. It means you're actually not engaged anymore. Yes, you may be living on a golf course, and yes, you may be able to <clears throat> take naps and all, that's fine. But the truth is, you know, you're, to be not engaged with life is part of the reason why retirement accelerates mortality. Yeah, I totally agree. So if people want to know more about what you do, where do they need to go? You can go to chipconley.com, Conley spelled C-O-N-L-E-Y, or themodernelderacademy.org. Um, or you'll find me on LinkedIn. I write articles on LinkedIn. On my, you just go to my profile on LinkedIn or other places like that. And I'm actually starting a new blog, daily blog, that comes out like any day now called Wisdom Well. And it's the Wisdom Well blog. Now, if anything resonates with you that we discussed today and you want more information, head over to booker.com and get in touch. And remember, failing to learn is learning to fail. <laughs> I like that.